That was just what we all needed. Amen? You know, I tell you what, there's no doubt there's someone here that in their mind, there's, they're, you know, they go through, you know, the struggling thoughts of criticism and things because they're in a service. No, I, I tell you what, that's exactly what the 21st century American church needs, is to break out and get out of that old dusty religion and come into the rejoicing and the splendor of God. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church here today? Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you want to join me. Over there in the book of 1 John. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, when the Spirit of God moves like that, don't put on the brakes. That's not the time to put on the seatbelt. It's the time to take it off. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, if you have your Bibles, go. let's go to 1 John. We're going to go to chapter 2. Over the last several weeks, I've been talking about what it means to be born again. What it means to be born again. And just for the sake of review, some of you might not have been here over the last several weeks, I'll just kind of give you an idea of what we've been touching on. Uh, being born again, the term born again, it does, it's not a label, it's not a denominational term. Amen. It's not just what kind of church you go to. The term born again, it means to be changed in the nature of your spirit man, right? The term born again, hallelujah. It means that God comes to live on the inside of you. Your nature is not the same. You're a new creation. It is not a label. It is a testimony of a changed life. So many times people think that the term born again just means, well, that's, that's, a, that's a label. That's kind of a denominational uh, a sect of Christianity. No, being born again, you must be born again. Jesus said over there in John 3, 3, he says, No man can see or perceive or understand or experience the kingdom of God unless they be born again. And when Jesus said that, he was answering Nicodemus who said, How do you do all these miracles? How do you do these wonder works? How do you do these signs? Hallelujah. And what Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, Well, I do these miracles because I'm the Son of God. He didn't say, I do these miracles because I've never sinned. Of course, he did never sin. But he didn't say that. He said, I do these miracles, these signs, and these wonder works because I'm born from above. Amen. I'm born anew. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm born again. Jesus said that being born again, it's not just a term. It's a supernatural involvement of God in your life. It's a supernatural change. It is the proof of the testimony that there is power living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't know if some of you still have some breaks on left over from the praise and worship. Or if some of you are just so hooch that you're having a hard time listening. <laughs> But just go ahead and pay attention. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Being born again is a change on the inside. And all over America today, there's people calling themselves born again Christians, born again this, born again that. And what they've done is they've dried up that term and they, 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 they claim to be born again, but there's no change in their life. There's no difference. I'll tell you what, when Jesus, when, when Jesus, the first born-again man, stepped on this planet, the whole world looked at him and said, what's different? Where's the power coming from? In the same way, Jesus reproduced himself in us so that the world would look at our lives and say, what's the difference? Where's the power? Where are they getting that? Where is that joy? You might be here today and say, where is that joy coming from? 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, I've come into one of those churches. That's right, we are one of those churches. Hallelujah. People where they, where, they, where they get filled with joy, and they don't care what the, the, the critical person who's stuck in their religion thinks. Hallelujah. I don't lift my hands, praise, I don't get filled with joy, whether or not I dance, shout, or run has nothing to do with what's going on in your brain. I tell you what, some of you are so weighed down by life. The, 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 the cares of this world are putting such a pressure and such a strain. You just, you got to get into that flow of God where all of a sudden it all lifts the burden. There's no burden on you. You're so light that you just jump and you, you just get excited about the things of God. We are, the, America is going to stand accountable before Almighty God when America says, we jumped over football. We, we, we rejoiced over the home run. Right? We, everyone went crazy over the soccer goal. Everyone loves sports, but you know, no one celebrated Jesus better than the touchdown. Someone has got to be celebrating Jesus better than some pigskin, some football running over a painted line on fake grass. My goodness. I mean, the place rejoices. I mean, think about it. People get offended at the preacher who stands up and preaches the word on tithing, and yet they will go spend 55, 65, 85 bucks on a football ticket and go watch a bunch of millionaires hit each other. Every single one of them out there are millionaires, and very few of them give to anything that God's doing. But yet the Christian Church of America, football, football, football. Pastor better not go long. It's football season. I'll tell you what, God, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, that the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching those whose hearts will be perfect for him. To show himself strong on their behalf. That's right. Seriously, if man is rejoicing over carnal things like that, why would God perform miracles in our midst? How we've, this, this nation has grieved the Spirit of God over what we rejoice in. People go to godless concerts, and they go absolutely out of their skin for the devil. I lived in that world before. I've been to godless concerts before I knew Jesus. I lived in that. I went and I saw 25,000 people all in unison going crazy about songs about drugs and cocaine and, and uh, 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 you know, sexual uh, uh, you know, sin and all this stuff. People just you know, going crazy over it. Songs about snorting cocaine like grains of sand. I, and watching everyone, 25,000 people jump in unison. And then you get somebody in church, and they rejoice, and they respond, and now, oh, what's wrong with them? They're weird. I'll tell you the only difference. The, the only difference is that there must be a, re, there's a difference between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the world. The Spirit of the world can only love its own. The Spirit of the world will never love the things of Jesus. And here we are celebrating Jesus more than they celebrate the devil, and they hate us for it. 
Don't you dare get in your religious mind and start getting critical and start drying up the power of God in your life. Hallelujah. I dare you. You want God to do something that he's never done before in your life? You do something you've never done before in your life. You know, you want God to give to you like he's never given to you? Then you give to God like you've never given. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, so many people, they want, they want something, you know, miraculous. Well, you do something miraculous. You know what I mean? Do something that was unplanned. That's right. Glory to God. That's right. First John, I'll tell you what, I'll just be honest with you. This season, uh, over the last few months, I mean, the teacher in me is just, I, I, I mean, just absolutely on vacation. <laughs> I mean, I go down to prepare for messages, and I just sit there, and it's like everything is so quiet. You know, everything is like the teacher in me is just gone all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, I I can't do anything but get into the presence and under the anointing of God and just teach what's there when I get into the pulpit. I mean, I sit there, I sit there, I sit there for hours, you know, uh, and I'm like, God, what what, what am I going to do? And he says, you're going to rely on me. Hallelujah. So I just take the time to prepare the man. I'm still in the word. But then here, you know, we get into something and everything that was planned to be said doesn't get said. But we're going to try to do some of that. First John chapter two. Let's go over there. We've been talking about what it means to be born again. Hallelujah. To be born again, it means to be born anew, born from above, born of the spirit. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Jesus taught us over there that we must, if we're going to see an impact of the, of the kingdom of heaven on this earth, we must be born of the Spirit. Amen. We must be born of the Spirit. Yes. If we're going to see the miraculous, if we're going to see God move, we must be born again. Amen. Amen. And we saw that we've been born into the love image of God. Right? We know that we're made in the image and the likeness of God. We're told over there in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. So when he, when he gave us a born-again nature, he made us in the image and likeness of love. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And that love of God, we saw, was there to protect your health, your wealth, and to keep you protected. Right? Amen. Amen. The love of God is like a fortress. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 16, it says, He that dwells in love dwells in God. Right? We go to Psalm 91 and verse 1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? It says, I will say of the Lord, He is my strong tower, my refuge, my God in Him I trust. He said, God is our refuge. And the Bible tells us how to dwell in God. You must live out of this love nature. Amen. Amen. You must love. And last week we talked about the difference between phileo love and agape love. There's two different, you know, there's two main different kinds of love. Phileo love means a sentimental feeling is required. Meaning you love somebody because they love you back. You love them because there was something about them, an attribute or a characteristic that made you love them, right? Right? And it's not wrong to have sentimental love, you know. Uh, uh, but how many of you know that uh, sometimes a good feeling is hard to find? Oh, yeah. What are you going to do in your marriage when you wake up and a good feeling is hard to find? What are you going to do in your relationship with God when a good feeling is hard to find? What are you going to do in your finances when a good feeling is hard to find? 
I tell you what, it's okay to have sentimental love, but you can't only have sentimental love. And some Christians today, they're just sentimental about God. They'll cry at the Christmas play. They'll cry watching the Passion of the Christ. They'll watch Christian music. They will, or watch Christian TV and listen to Christian music and watch Christian music or t- uh, movies and so on. And they might get emotional. You can talk to them five minutes. You can get them crying about the things of God, but then they don't show up on Sunday. They don't show up and serve God. They don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, uh, serve in the local church. They don't give to the local church. They don't uh, 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 give their time. They don't put their efforts. They don't put their thoughts towards what God is doing. You can't just be sentimental about God. You can't think you're a Christian just because you have a verse cross-stitched on a pillow that grandma gave you. Having a doily with Psalm 23 on it, framed and hanging on the wall, does not make you a believer. Now, nothing wrong with having Psalm 23 on a doily and framed in your house. But I tell you what, how many of you know it better, it better not be just living inside that frame. It better be living out in your life. Because being born again means that you've decided to love God. Hallelujah. You've decided to love Him with service, with value, and with esteem. It's not how sentimental you are about God. How much do you value the things that God values? Have you esteemed and valued the local church? You're going to see today that you're going to need to esteem and value the local church. Today we're going to call this message, Loving the Brethren. And of course, there's no doubt we'll get on some rabbit trails. We already have. Those are Holy Spirit rabbit trails. Things that weren't planned to be said, but they get said anyhow. So let's go down to 1 John chapter 2, and let's start in verse 4. I'm in the King James Bible. You know, the authorized version. You know, I like the King James, but please don't misunderstand me. I am not thinking that it's the only good Bible out there. You know, I I hear preachers all the time say, oh, if you don't read the King James, you're not saved. Oh, well, dear, dear lords, please help that man or that woman. Verse 4, he that saith, now listen to this, he's talking about our relationship with God. I love 1 John. Today we're going to call this message Loving the Brethren, but we're going to also call it this, the litmus test of your born-again nature. You're going to see how much the born-again nature really dwells and abides in you. First John, if you ever want to find out how born-again you are, read First John. It is the litmus test of your new nature. Do you know what I mean by the litmus test? Uh, you know, I remember in, in science classes in school, we'd have the litmus paper, and you'd dip it into a certain solution or whatever to try to detect certain chemicals. You know, in that paper, if you dipped it in, if there was acid or or chloride or something in there, it would turn a different color and it would let you know, oh, yep, that chemical is indeed present. Today, we're going to dip your born-again spirit into the the solution and we're going to see what's in there. And it's not going to be clever. It's not going to, I'm not here to be clever. I'm just going to tell you what the word says. (laughs) Verse 4, he that saith, I know God. All right, let's just do this, shall we? Let's do this right here at the top of the service. How many of you say you know God? All right, all right, got some hands. Uh, some of them are like, oh, oh well. I'd tell you if he would have asked that before, what he told me he was going to preach on, I would have had my hand all the way up. But now that he's talking about, oh, oh, oh. And I'm not trying to make you uncertain about your salvation. I'm just trying to get you to get a hold of uh, how much you're walking 
in what you believe. Verse 4, he that saith, I know God, and keepeth not his commandments, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. Not much room for interpretation there, is there? <laughs> well, pastor, you interpret that verse different than I do. Well, I, I, don't, think there's much, I don't think there's much wiggle room. <laughs> he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth, everyone notice this, the truth is not in him. Telling us that when the truth is in us, we long to obey God. Okay, verse 5 gets pretty direct again. But whosoever keepeth God's word, in that person verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Hmm. So often, verse 5 is, is understood like this. People think, well, if I obey God, the only way to, to uh, get God to love me is to obey Him. No, God loves you already. He loves, he loves you. He loves the sinner. He loves the person that's obeying Him. He loves the person that's disobeying Him. You can't get God to demonstrate any higher love than that which He's already demonstrated. He has demonstrated His love with the giving of His Son on your behalf. He, you can't do anything to get him to love you anymore. That's right. He loves you. He loves you. Just start believing it. God loves yes. me. He's in love with me. Yes. I'm the apple of his eye, right? That's right. That's right. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. This is what this verse is talking about. Notice it says, in him verily is the love of God perfected. That word perfected there, it means completed or consummated. All right? So often we think, well, I gotta, if I'm going to uh, uh, love God, i got to go out and i got to follow his rules in order to love him. Mm, no, 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 you got it backwards. Some people are trying to love God by following rules when we need to understand that when the love of God is present, following the word isn't something that you'll have to do. Following the word is something that you'll want to do. But whoso keepeth his word... The person that is actively obeying the word of God, the reason why they're doing that is because the love of God and the love for God has been consummated in them. You know what I mean by consummated? We talk about consummating a marriage relationship, right? The way it should happen is that two young people, they stay pure and uh, they stay pure for the things of God. They come together in marriage and holy matrimony and then they consummate the relationship. It's like the completion of the two of them becoming one flesh, right? In the same way, when a person asks Jesus to come into their heart and they sincerely meant it and they, 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 they uh, 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 you know, just meant it with all their heart and they submitted their life and they committed their life to him, there was a consummation of the love for God in, on the inside of them. Yes. Can we bring up uh, verse 5 in the Amplified? Look at this. But he who keeps and treasures God's word who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and the love for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. Now that doesn't mean that you will know everything. That doesn't mean that you fully arrive. But it means that when you were truly born again, instantly your nature and your desire was to obey God. See, a lot of people are trying to obey, to to love God. They're trying to just follow his rules. 
No, but when the love of God comes on the inside of you, that's when it's not an option to do anything else. This is how you know that you are in Him and that the love of God is truly in your hearts. You've truly been born again by that love nature. I just got to keep teaching this because I'm not, I'm not feeling everyone's with me yet. I'm going to wait till everyone's with me. Do you understand? So a lot of people, there's a difference in this nation between voted and devoted. A lot of Christians in America have voted for Christ, but they're not devoted to him. There's a difference between voted and devoted. America is filled with Christians, so to speak. They go to church. They, they, they do the praise and worship thing. They go to their small group. They go to the Sunday school. But on the outside, there's no change in their life. There's no holiness. There's no righteousness. There's nothing changed about their lifestyle. They use church as a social outlet. And what they're doing, they're basically saying, I believe Jesus died and rose again. Well, good. That's a historical fact. Just believing that Jesus rose again will not change your life. Just, just believing that it happened. Listen, I believed Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Jesus raising again from the dead is just as much as a historical fact as the Civil War. It happened. The whole world knows it happened. The world knows that, that Jesus came alive. The world is scared and terrified of his name. That his name represents righteousness. His name represents a changed lifestyle. His, rep- his name represents no compromise. Hallelujah. And that, that terrifies the world. That they would actually have to live a changed life. But they don't realize that the joy they've always longed for is in that changed life. Hallelujah. So it's like this. I don't follow God's rules to love him. When the love of God is in me, I long to follow his word. I was 23 years old when the love of God was consummated in my heart. I was 23. I had spent time... Someone say something funny quick, start laughing, making fun of me, give me some bunny ears before I start crying. But I was 23 years old, and uh, I, I just, I got tired of believing one thing and doing another. Yes, come on, come on. Because that's what America is doing, we're believing one thing and doing another. You can't believe one thing and do another. What you do is what you believe. What you do is what you believe. Hallelujah. And I was 23 years old, and I came before God, and I said, that's it. I don't care how much I have to say I'm wrong. I don't care how much I have to set aside my pride. I don't care, Lord God, if everything I am is wrong and everything you are is right. I admit it. I've been wrong. This is not right. I submit. I commit. I I humble myself before you, God. All I want to do is make sure that you are pleased. And I'm not going to be happy until you're pleased. And when I did that, the love of God came on the inside of me. And from that day, I never looked back. Didn't mean I didn't stumble. Didn't mean I didn't stumble here and there. But from that day forward, it was not an option to to cease from making progress and following God. When you're born again, it's something that changes you on the inside. It's like it, it's a power that drives you to obey and to see that God is pleased. And the only thing that will make you happy is hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. 
enter into the joy of thy Lord. See, when I got, when I, when, when I was 23 is when I got born again. My life changed. That's right. It was, I, before, I was feeling guilty over trying to follow the rules of God that I wasn't following. But then at that age, when I, when I, when I submitted and I said, I, I came before him and I was broken, I, 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 there was no pride in me. I wasn't trying to hold on to my stuff. Some of you are still trying to hold on to your stuff. You're trying to guard a lifestyle that you think is bringing you joy, but it's defiling you before Almighty God. You're trying to hold on to some relationship that isn't godly. You're trying to hold on to a a, a sexual relationship that isn't godly. You're trying to hold on to certain lifestyles and certain parties and, and, and certain social aspects of your life that are hurting your life. You're holding on to it. You won't lay it down before Almighty God, but yet you're saying, I'm a born again Christian. If you're born again, when that power comes on the inside of you, that stuff will be like ashes in your mouth. It was when I, when I got born again, I was addicted to alcohol. And, and as soon as I got born again, all of a sudden, I mean, it was like turpentine in my mouth. It might as well have been someone, you know, just kicking in my spirit. And every time I would take a drink after I was born again, it would just, it would just I mean, kick me right in my lungs. Because, see, what had happened is that the love of God had been consummated in my heart. It had been consummated in my heart. The, lo- the, the love of God came in and, and, and became complete in me. Not that I don't have... It doesn't yeah. mean that we've arrived. It just means that the love of God became real. It became a reality on the inside. And now there came a passion and a desire to make sure that he's pleased. And every time I'd be somewhere... Oh, my goodness. I remember right after I first got saved, I went on a vacation with some buddies... And with some friends. And uh, uh, of course, they were some folks that I was doing some things wrong with before I got saved and knew Jesus. And we were down there and, and uh, we had a, a pickup truck on the beach and, and uh, we could drive on the beach. And we, you know, everyone had their cooler of beer. I didn't have my cooler of beer anymore. But uh, I just sat there and, and uh, uh, I sat around a, a fire on the beach where everyone was talking about everything ungodly. And though I wasn't trying to condemn them or hurt them or say that I was better than them, please don't misunderstand me. That's not our goal. We don't look at people that are doing something and say, oh, we're better. No, 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 no. But it just grieved me so bad. It grieved me. You know, I didn't drink or anything, but I got pulled into some conversation that was ungodly. And I remember, here it was, it was in the pitch dark. There was a fire out in front of the pickup truck. I said, hey guys, I'll be right back. I mean, I walked about 25 feet behind that pickup truck. I fell on my knees back by the beer cooler. And I just started uh, uh, telling God, I I repent, I don't want this. I don't want my conversation to be this. I don't want to be my focus and the feeding of my life to be this. And my mind said, do you realize you're kneeling by the beer cooler and someone is going to walk around the backside of that truck to get themselves a beer and they're going to find you on your knees with your hands up in the air? And just something on the inside of me says, good, I hope they do. I hope they do. And I think someone did. But they got around to the back of the truck and I, I, I heard footsteps coming up. But they never got too close. They probably came around the bed of that truck like, ooh. No, didn't expect to find that. I know Tim was making some weird decisions, but oh my goodness, what has gone on with him? He's talking to the stars. I wasn't talking to the stars. I was born again. 
And when you're born again, you are tethered to heaven. And when you're born again, your spirit just will not abide anything less than just wanting God to be pleased. Some of you haven't given up stuff. It's time to give up the stuff. God wants to bless you. It's not because it's rules. It's because He wants you to love Him. Here, know this. Man's greatest need is not a need for religion. Man's greatest need is not a a need to just go to heaven instead of hell. Man's greatest need is to get back the ability to love God. That's what man lost in the Garden of Eden. He didn't just lose his entrance into heaven. He lost his ability to love. He lost his ability to love God. Jesus came back to this earth to give us the ability to love God again. And when, you, when it becomes real on the inside of you, it is a love for God. It's a love for God. It doesn't mean that you do everything right instantly. But when you do slip, I tell you what, you know it. Oh my goodness, you know it, you know it, you know it. I tell you what, there's some of you that have only been born again maybe for a couple weeks in here, but you already have had the love of God perfected or completed in your heart because it became real with you. And there could, be, there could be some that are here that you've been, you know, a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years. But you're not serving God. Right, right, right. You're not obeying Him. Your, your, your pursuits and your mind are not on doing whatever it takes regardless of the convenience. And God will watch someone who's been born again for 10 minutes surpass those that have been born again for several decades because their heart is sincere and they're pure and there's nothing they won't give up, nothing they won't sacrifice, nothing they won't do to see that Almighty God is pleased. The Bible says in Romans 8, 15, we have not received, again, the spirit of fear under bondage, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Father God. Father. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, there's something right about always having a desire to please Dad. Naturally and spiritually. Hallelujah. When the the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you, you want to please your Father. Just like naturally, a a natural son will always want to please his natural dad. Right? Hallelujah. And that's good. How much more our Heavenly Father he paid his son. This is what being born again is. Man, man does not need a religion. Man needs the ability to love God. And when the ability to love God comes into your heart, you can't help but love him. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is what it is to be born again. When you're born again, you will treasure his word. You will bear in mind his precepts. You will observe his message in its entirety. Truly, in you, the love of and the love for God will be completed. Are you voted or devoted? At 23, I stopped voting for Jesus and I became devoted to him. I voted for Jesus. I was around the campfire, three sheets to the wind, drunk and high. And I'd tell everybody there, I believe Jesus died and rose again so that I could be saved. Believed it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a vote. Jesus died and rose again, whether you believe it or don't believe it, it's a historical fact. 
Just like I know George Washington was the first president of the United States, I know Jesus came alive out of that grave. The world has recorded it. The world cannot deny it. The greatest governments in the world have tried to disprove it. They can't. There is no body. There is no grave. Because he came out of there and he ascended on high. Hallelujah. So just believing that it happened is just a vote for Jesus. Putting your money on him. But at 23, I said, I'm done voting for Jesus. I'm devoted to him. I will do what it takes to please him. Today, it's not so much what you're going to be taught. It's what you're going to catch. It's what's going to be caught today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to your first John chapter 2. Go up there to verse 9. Let's get into the, the meat of the matter, shall we? Pastor Tim, it's almost noon. What do you mean? We haven't gotten to the meat of the matter? I didn't realize it was noon until I looked at the clock. It's not even noon yet. And I don't care. Pastor Tim, your church isn't going to grow if you preach so long. You can tell, I don't think we're having a problem. Praise the Lord. And I don't say that in pride. I'm just saying that people are hungry for God's word. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 9. He that saith he is in the light. He that says that he's born again. He that says that he's received a new nature. He that says that he lives for Christ, right? He that says. Notice God's going to challenge what you say. Yeah, yeah. Notice, you can, you notice it's easy to give lip service to something. But what are you doing? Where is the evidence? Where is the proof? John the Baptist told the Pharisees, he said, Therefore bring forth fruits that are worthy of repentance. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And he says, if you don't, the axe will be laid to the roots. Yeah. He said, if you don't bring forth fruits worthy of repentance, he said, the axe, he said, the tree will be laid bare. The axe will be laid to the roots. Oh, that doesn't sound anything I want to participate in. I don't want the axe hacking on my roots. Verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not where he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Go up there to verse 9. Bring it up in the Amplified, please. Let's go to the Amplified. It says, Whoever says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother Christian, who hates his brother born-again child of God his father, is in darkness even until now. Here's how you know the love of God is in your heart. You love the brethren. You love born-again Christian people. There is an absolute famine in America of this love. I mean, I cannot tell you how many people I talk to that says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I will have nothing to do with that institution of church. I can't stand Christian people. They're fake. They're singing. They're dancing. They're lifting their hands. And they're just a bunch of fruity and flaky and and fake people. You can't love God and believe that. You can't love God and believe that. You can't say, I want God, but I don't want His children. 
You can't say, I love him, but I have no love for the, pe- for the people. The, look around. Those born-again saints that are to your left and to your right and ahead of you and behind you, those are the most important people in your life. God says that when you're born into the family of God, His family supersedes even the natural family. Good word. Come on. Hallelujah. And when people can say, oh, I don't need that church, or they can go to church and all they can do is they can harass and they can criticize. Oh, I'll tell you what, you won't be harassing and criticizing after you leave today. And if you do, you'll be taking your life into your hands. You know, what happens, and it's not because, I mean, we think we're anything. You understand, I'm just talking about the word. But people will come into a church, and I did it, and I've been there, and you've been there. Where you walk in, you see something that you don't understand, and instantly you start criticizing. I can't stand that, how she does that, and she wears that, and he says that, and and, and, and I can't stand that couple, and their personality just twists me the wrong way. And people go, and they will criticize, and they will belittle, and they will just trash down the people of God. Can't believe that pastor said that. You go to those people, those people are doing this. They're all those praising and worshiping folks and all that stuff. What's going on is, is that they're yielding to an unclean spirit. The Holy Spirit would never criticize the people of God, even if their doctrine was a little off. You're right. Come on. That's good. Not that our doctrine's off. You understand? But even, even people that, uh, how many of you know that we haven't gotten it all figured out yet? Family church is an, uh, an elite church. There's no church in this county, no church in this area that's doing everything just perfectly. But how many of you know God still would never criticize them when they're sincerely seeking Him? But yet God's people, they come on in, and next thing you know, it's all about the criticism. Because in America, we feel entitled to always lend our opinion. You aren't entitled to lend your opinion to the people of God. We always say this around here. We have no opinion. Someone you know, someone who's trying to serve God, that they mess up, you don't have an opinion about that. Unless your opinion is they're going to get restored, they're going to get helped, or they're going to get back on their feet. That's your opinion. Hallelujah. But Christians all over the place, they're saying, I don't need church. I don't have any time for the church. I have no time for, for, for God's people. I can't stand their music. I can't stand their actions. I can't stand how this person acts. I don't like what she wears. I don't like all this stuff. And what they're doing is that they're hating on the brethren. The love of God, the love for God will never do that. When a person is born again, the first thing they do is they love God and they love his people. Amen. I see the love of God's people all over this church. I see people, I mean, my goodness, uh, there was a, a, a wedding in the church yesterday, uh, a wonderful young couple just getting, getting married, and, and, and I've seen other uh, uh, marriages and other events that no one in the church officially contacted anybody, but I, I showed up at uh, uh, the wedding reception and, and stuff, and I, I just see people from the church are all there just serving and helping. No one's getting paid, and you know what that was? They're just loving. They're just loving the brethren. I show up here and, 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 and uh, people are here until all hours of the night cleaning and vacuuming the floor. What were they doing? They were serving me and you. Yes, that's right. That's right. They were serving us. They're washing windows, scrubbing toilets. You don't even know who they are. But there's just a, they're not there to try to get God to love them. They just love God's people. They want God's house excellent. They want God 
people to be blessed. Hallelujah. Because there's a love of God on the inside that will cause you to love and to serve people. There's people here that, you know, you approach them and say, hey, we could use some help in the nursery. And they'll just be like, yeah, absolutely, wonderful. There's other people like, no, that's not me. Well, when is it ever you? Now, I've had people tell me, sorry, Pastor, we don't change dirty diapers for Jesus. Well, then you disqualify yourself. Because you actually have something on the things I won't do for Jesus list. Because there's things on that list is why you go without. I've had people tell me, Pastor Tim, I'll do whatever, just don't ask me to wash dishes. I'm not washing dishes at this church. Well, it's not like we do something, what, do you think we're doing dishes all day, every day around here? But every once in a while we do some dishes, right? And now all of a sudden you won't do the dishes? He would take a nail through his hand and his feet and a spear in his side and a crown of thorns on his head, but you won't scrub the crust off some dishes? The love of God on the inside says, yes, put me somewhere where I can serve God's people. I want to be used in the gifts and the talents and the ability that is placed in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's people in here, you are so blessed with, with gifts and talents. It might be music. It could just be serving. It could be helping. It could be teaching Sunday school. It could be all this. You're so blessed and so gifted. But your unwillingness is hindering you. Do you know what the, the key factor in being born again is? Willingness. Yes. Willingness. Yes. If God commands me to crawl around like a dog and bark and eat out of a dog dish, I'd do it. Amen. I always thought that God never said that to somebody, but he did over in the book of Judges, chapter 7. Remember how he told Gideon's soldiers? He said, I'm going to test their heart. And now there's 10,000 of your soldiers left. And he said, I'm going to tell them when they go down to drink at the river to get down and drink like a dog. And he said, the ones that drink like a dog, they're the guys you can run with. And out of 10,000 men that God spoke to, 300 were willing to do the unconventional service for God. Only 300 would abase themselves. Only 300 would cast off their pride and humble themselves and say, I don't care how I look. I don't care what they think of That's me. Right. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Yes, 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 yes. And 300 of them got down on there. They drank like a dog. And God told Gideon, he said, now they're the ones that you can use. Originally, Gideon had 32,000 men to choose from. Then it was dwindled to 10,000. And then it dwindled to 300. Less than 1% of all those that were in the army... We're qualified to go to battle. One percent. That is a shadow and a type of the body of Christ today. That there might be one percent of God's people that'll say, God, whatever it is, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'll go. Because your love in me and the love that I have for you, it drives me and it moves me forward. And it's the reason why I don't give up. It's the reason why I don't give in. I just can't stop. Because even in the days when all the thoughts and all the pressure is there, when all the thoughts and all the pressure is there to quit, I don't. 
because the love of God on the inside of me, it just won't let, it won't let me. It won't let me. I could not live with myself. I could not be happy. I could, I, I just, I, I just, I just can't, I can't imagine it. Right, 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 right. Because right. God is so good. Yes. Hallelujah. Some of you are called to be serving in the local church. Some of you have gifts and callings. He didn't give you that gift and that calling to go serve the world. He didn't give you that gift or calling based on your personality. Well, Pastor Tim, I want to do that, but that's just not my personality. Trust me, pastoring a church is not my personality. Standing in front of hundreds of people on a weekly basis is not my personality. I would rather just, in my natural carnal mind, hide out, go in the woods, put on camouflage, and live under a bunch of fern plants. That would be me naturally. Kind of like that old song, just give me a little cabin in the corner of glory land, right? And of course that song is embalmed with a bunch of doubt and unbelief. Just get, God, just give me a little. God says, well, sorry, I don't give out little. God doesn't have any little scoops. Say, well, you want little? I'm sorry, I don't give little because I'm big. When I sneeze, galaxies are created. So you understand? God doesn't give little. He doesn't do little. Say, well, God, just give me a little something. No, basically, you know what's behind statements like that? Lord, just give me a little. Just get me over the edge so I just don't have to worry anymore. No, you shouldn't have been worried in the first place. You thought that just getting over the edge would make you happy. But you have it backwards. People that are already happy, get over the edge. Some of you are waiting for money and materials to make you happy. It won't happen. You think that your problems will be solved. No. Money doesn't make you happy. Money comes to those who are already happy. Wealth is attracted to people that are just deserving God. They would do the same thing whether there was a dime in their pocket or a million dollar check. It doesn't matter what's in their pocket. They're just serving God because they're born again. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, glory to God. So you're just catching something here. You're just catching something here. He that loveth his brother, go up there to verse 9. He that saith he's in the light, but hates his Christian brother, you're in darkness. You're in darkness. Because you don't, you, you don't love the, 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 the Christian brothers and sisters. Right. And when's the last time you just bless somebody because they're a Christian? When's the last time you, you, you serve somebody because they're a Christian? I mean, my goodness, the people that are on our worship team, they're not here because of just talent. They're here to serve and to help you get closer to God. I'm not here to pastor this church hoping that my name will become something. I'm here trying to pull you closer to the Almighty God. I'm here to present you faultless before God because there's coming a day when this world will pull back like a veil and all of a sudden you will be standing in front of the white, the great throne of God, the, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, you're going to want to have all the confidence in the world. And I'm here to give that to you. I'm here to prepare you for that day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not here for any other reason. I'm not here for myself. I'm not. 
The people that serve in this church, they're not. They don't clean the floor to get noticed. They clean the floor so you have something good to walk on. Because they're cleaning the floor because God's precious saints are going to walk on it. They scrub those toilets because God's precious saints are going to use them. He, now look at verse 10. But people, they say, I won't do that for God. I won't do that. Go to church every Sunday? Oh. I mean, seriously? Yeah, boy, that's so tough. You mean go there and actually put on a good attitude and, and go up and minister to people and tell them you're glad to see them? Do you realize that you have a ministry in this church? Every single one of you have the ministry of loving God's people. Seriously, there's some people that have been sitting here for years, and I could ask them, tell me ten names from people in church, and you couldn't. There's something wrong with that. Well, Pastor Tim, I'm waiting for people to come up to me and make friends with me. The Bible says, he that will have friends must show themselves friendly. Proverbs 18, right around the 20-something verse. He that will have friends must show himself friendly. I mean, during that greeting time, when you show up to church, I heard a couple of wonderful testimonies uh, recently. People that visited this church came up to me and said, Pastor Tim, I just want to tell you that uh, I felt so welcome to this church. When I got out of my car, those parking lot guys came over and shook my hand and got my name, and one of them stood and talked with me for a few minutes. He said, I felt invited. I'd stay at this church. He was visiting from out of town. I hear that, I'm thinking, my goodness, that should be the ministry of every born-again saint. If these these chairs aren't full, it's not my fault, it's yours. You're right. Sure, you're right. I'm not going to take the responsibility. That's right. I am not the net of this church. I'm the caster. You are the net. Every, Every Christian that's on fire for God should just say, man, every seat should be filled. What can I do to get them filled? That's right. Because you love the brethren. You love the brethren. Now look at verse 10 and we'll end here. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Now what happens when you're abiding in the light? You can see. When you love your brother, and those of you, you know why the plan of God is coming to pass in your life? Because you're serving the saints. You're serving God. You're serving in the youth group. You're helping people. You're on the hospitality team. You're greeting at the door. You're parking cars. You're serving in the music. You're serving as an usher. You're in the Sunday school. You're in the nursery. You're in the KA. You're in the LA. You're doing all these things. And the plan and the will of God's coming to pass. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I know what to do. Oh, I know what job to take. Oh, I know what step to take. The reason why you know that is because you're serving the people of God and you're in the light where you can see. Some of you are here today and you're like, I have no clue what God wants me to do next. Are you serving His people? Are you using what God gave you to serve? And you don't, you know, I remember thinking that. I'm like, God spoke to me, told me He wanted me to preach in the pulpit. I I just thought I'd show up and be like, okay, here I am to preach. I had to qualify myself for the next several years. Here we go, years, yes, yes. So just because you're, you're extremely gifted, you still have to qualify yourself yeah. in the obedience and the walking things out. Amen? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, look at, look at, 
Notice it says in verse 10, he that loveth his brother abides in the light. He sees the plan. He knows the steps to take. He knows the direction for his life. And there's none occasion of stumbling in him. Can we bring this up in the Amplified? Verse 10, look at this in the Amplified. Whoever loves his brother, his fellow believer, glory to God. You don't love someone based on their personality. You don't love them based on the color of their skin. You don't love them based on uh, 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 how much money they have or don't have. You don't love somebody based on their gender or their age. You love them because they believe in Christ just like you do. That's why our faith fellowship. Notice, we don't, our, our, our fellowship times here, they're not based on ages. We don't break down small groups into, uh, okay, well, our fellowship uh, times is just for... Uh, you know, it's just for the 18-year-olds, and then the 30-year-olds are over here, and then the, you know, we used to have, like, different groups. We used to have, like, the under 40 crowd and the over 40 crowd. And God spoke to me and said, that's division in the body. You're basing fellowship on an age. I love fellowshipping with people of all ages who love Christ. Are they serving? They love God. That's the fellowship that I'm after. He loves his brother because he's a believer. And he who loves his brother abides and lives in the light. And in it or in him, there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. Some of you are wondering why you can't get over those addictions. Because you're not loving the saints. When you start serving the people of God, the power, see... All those addictions I had in my life didn't last long. You know why? Because I started serving almost immediately. I started serving immediately. Alcohol had no power over me. Cigarettes had no power over me. Dope had no power over me. Premarital sex had no power over me. Right? Because I started serving God by serving His people in the local church. See, when you love the brethren, you will reduce the ability to stumble. You will reduce the ability to stumble. You're wondering why you're stumbling. You're not, you're, you're not getting by. You know, you're, 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 you're going bankrupt. Things are, are falling apart. You're unhappy. Uh, all this sickness and disease is piling on you, destroying. You're depressed. You're filled with bipolarism and all this stuff. The world piled on you because you got out of the light. You got into darkness because you didn't serve the saints. Do you know what I mean by the saints? Believers. Yes. How many of you are saints here today? The Bible says that if you're born again, you're a saint of Almighty God. Hallelujah. There's no occasion for stumbling or cause for error. That's right. That's right. Things work right. Yes. When you're in the place that God puts you, you're connected properly yes. and you work to serve and to benefit that place. Yeah. You know why so many churches are closing their doors in America? It's because everyone who was going there was taught to take something away. We don't come here to take something away. We come here to add something to it. Because we love the people of God. That's right, that's right, that's right. Here to add. I don't come here saying, well, I better get this and so and so better do this and someone better give me a card. Someone better give me a call. Someone better, blah, 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 blah. You high maintenance saint. Yeah, yeah, right, high maintenance. I'm not here to be high maintenance. I'm here to be low maintenance. Jesus said the greatest in heaven will be those that serve. Jesus said, I put on the servant's apron that I may wash your feet. And Peter said, no, no, no. 
God forbid that you wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. And Peter said, wash my feet and my head too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So exactly what he said, right? Jesus himself said, you better let me serve. Because even Jesus knew that his power was connected to servanthood. Getting a little something out of this today? See, when you're born again, you're born into that love for service, love for faithfulness, love for God and what he's doing, and love for the brethren. Verse 11 But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness, lives in the darkness, proceeds in danger, you could say. Some of you are in such danger right now because you have no part. You don't join yourself to a good local church. Come on now. You don't want to love the brethren. You'd rather just criticize and have it wishy-washy. Come on. You thought you'd come to church and hear a happy little homily? You came to the wrong church. Because it's about God. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He that hates his brother is in darkness. He lives in darkness. He walks. He proceeds in darkness. He's putting himself in danger because he knows not where he's going. He is stranded. He is straying. He is floating around like a leaf on the wind. Because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Because he won't love his brother. Let's just read a few more scriptures, should we? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. Here you go. Here's your litmus test again. We know... It should be just a page away. I'll wait a second. I hear pages flopping. 1 John 3 and verse 14. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we sit at home and skip church. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we sit there, we won't use our talents, we show up to church maybe once a month. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we sit there in our seats with a grumpy face waiting for everyone to come over and love on us. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the Christian brothers. He that loveth not his Christian brother abideth in death. Don't you say you believe in God, but you hate church. You're living in death. Verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Oh. There's a lot of murderers outside of jail. There's more murderers outside of jail than there's in jail. Why? Because there's a lot of people that just straight hate their brother. They hate church. They hate Christians. They hate their lifestyle. Jesus said, the word says, Jesus is the word. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. Oh, come on now. Holy hush. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So you have no eternal life in you if you don't love the saints. So if people hear a, verse, a, a, a message like this, say, Pastor Tim, I feel like I'm just getting beat up. Are you pounding me down? No, I'm trying to lift you up. Trying to warn you. You're in darkness. Get out of it. Come on out. When you come to church, love being here. Love the people around you. Help them. Learn about their life. Get their name. Get interested. Get involved. Glory to God. Verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby we know that the love of God is in us because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoso has this world's good, and seeth his brother has need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Mm. Guess what? When you learn of a Christian family or something that's in need, guess what? That's God saying, take care of them. Don't, the Bible says in the book of James, you can't just say, oh, go and be blessed. I'll believe for you. And then you do nothing to help them. Come on now. Did you get anything out of this here today? Ooh, I'll tell you what. People say, you know, there's people that have told me, Pastor Tim, you don't grow a church by preaching messages like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You grow the right church. People that said that, they said that their biggest goal was to have a, a, a big church. Our biggest goal here is not to have a big church. Our biggest goal is to obey God. If it means that 400 show up or 40 or 4, I'm going to preach the same word. It's for your benefit. For your benefit. I'll tell you what, when this church gets a hold of messages like this, I mean, this area won't even know what hit them. Because they're going to go, people are going to walk into this place and be like, my goodness, people love me here. They care about me here. I'm not just a number. I'm not a face in the crowd. I'm someone who has a divinely granted destiny. And they care that I fulfill that destiny. I care that every single one of you stand before God and he says, well done. Well done. You did it right. You didn't, you know, some of you are just going to hear, well, you're done. I don't want to hear, well, you're done. I want to hear God say, he said, well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's what people are going to hear. Well, you got, so you got to heaven. Oh my goodness. Is that all you're in it for? I want to bring fruit with me. Such a good, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We glorify your holy name. We thank you today that, Lord, we understand what it is to be born again. That the love of God is consummated in our heart. That by that love, we desire to fulfill your word. Because that love is in us. And Father, we're not just voting for Christ. We're devoted to him. Father, we don't stay away from alcohol and cigarettes and stuff just to follow rules. We stay away from it because we want to love you. Because anything that would harm us, you detest it. Because you love us so much. Father, we thank you that when that love is consummated in our heart, it will produce a love for you, a desire to follow your word. It eliminates the offense of the word. Father, your word says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they that love thy word, and nothing shall offend them. Father, if we stand offended today, it's because somewhere along the line we have a heart issue. And we're not fully sold out to you. But Father God, we say today is a day that we fully sell out. We're getting one foot out of the world. We're getting both feet into the church to love the brethren. That love of God on the inside 
produces a love for our Christian brothers and sisters that surpasses all knowledge. Our love abounds more and more in all knowledge and judgment that we may, that we may discern of things excellent, that we may be filled with the fruits of righteousness under the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, being fruitful in every good work, dwelling in the power and the love of God. Father, we love you and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed and all heads bowed, Let's do something different today. All eyes open, no heads bowed. If you're here today and you know in your heart, you know in your heart you've played games with God. I'm not talking about that you're sincere and you've just made some mistakes and you just keep moving forward to God. I mean that as you heard the message today, you know in your heart that you need to get real with God. All eyes open. No heads bowed. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand today. Typically what we do is I ask if, you know, if people want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior to lift their hand and we have them pray right there in their seats. Today the Holy Spirit has led me to do something differently. He is leading me to call you out of your seats in front of the people if you know in your heart you have not been serious with God and you're not ashamed to admit it before God and you're not ashamed to be seen by this company. If you're here today, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, it says that if we confess Jesus with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. We got to believe that he's alive and we live because he's alive. That we live for him because he rose again because he's the truth. But if you're here today and you've never made a full commitment to Jesus and you're not ashamed and you're going to look back at this day as the day that you jumped all the way in with God at this time. How many of you know, don't raise your hand, but you just know this place isn't filled with anybody that's going to ridicule anybody. This place is going to rejoice with you when you come out of that seat and you walk up to this altar. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and people are going to rejoice with you. I will guarantee it at this time. If you know I'm speaking of you and there's a pull on the inside, I know right now that the Holy Ghost is talking to people here and he's pulling on them. And you know, you just feel it down on the inside, but your mind is, is rebelling against it. Your mind doesn't want to get up in front of people. Who cares about your mind? Make a step for God. If that's you today, go ahead, stand up and come down front. Come down front. Because I know God's talking to people. I know he's talking, but it's going to take, it's going to take your, your commitment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, sir. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God, brother. You want to just stand right up over here? There might be some more with you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, sir. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, that's courage. That's courage. That's courage. Come on up, brother. Who else? You know it. Praise the Lord. You might have made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you're just not quite, you're not in with two feet. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not even saying that if you come up here, it doesn't mean that you're going to get saved, you know, for the first time or something. Maybe you are saved, but you just haven't been serious like you know you should be. Come on up out of your seat. I know God's dealing with more of you. I don't have any names in my mind or I'm not waiting for a certain somebody. But we just want to give you the opportunity. 
Praise the Lord. I so appreciate the courage of these folks. Glory to God to stand and not be ashamed of Jesus. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? There's people I know on the inside. You are just twisted. And you're thinking, oh, if I get up there and this is going to happen. Be bold with God. Be bold with God. Yeah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Maybe you know you're just not living right. Maybe you, you, you know you're a Christian and, and you're just, uh, uh, you've been just living a life of, of sin and, and, and so on. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on up. There's still people coming. Oh, come on. We're just, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. These are lives that are being changed. Is there any more? Is there any more? You just know, you're like, man, you know, I just today's the day I'm just going to get serious with God. Today's the day I'm going to start loving the saints. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Say, oh my goodness, eyes are open though. People would see me. Yeah, God sees you every day. Get delivered from the fear, man. Who cares about feelings? You know what I mean? Don't let your emotions hold you back. Anybody else before we pray with these precious individuals? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, so I'm assuming everybody that's sitting in these seats, you are 100% sold out to God. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you the way I found you because God's not going to leave you the way he found you. If I have to go fishing for you, I'll go fishing for you. Hallelujah. You folks can go ahead and turn around and face me. Praise the Lord. I so appreciate your commitment. What we're going to do, we're just going to pray. And I know, I know that uh, as I look at, at you guys, I know that you uh, maybe have made a commitment and asked Jesus to come into your heart. But today you're making a dedication to just be all in for God. All in for God. So let's pray this prayer. Everybody in the congregation, why don't you just join in? Pray this prayer uh, with them and, and just join me. Everyone say this. Say this right up here uh, uh, with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that He rose again from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, I dedicate myself. I give my life to live for You, to please You, to be my Lord, to be my Savior all the days of my life. I will learn from You. I will obey You. I will love you with my whole heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. How are you? You guys can go ahead and head back to your seat. Way to go, brother. Way to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead. Encourage these ones. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we praise you today. Lord, we give you all the glory. Father, we bless you. And Father, we say that our mind is renewed. Father, we are refreshed. We are recharged. And Father, we're ready to go out into the harvest field. And Father God, we'll love the saints because they're your precious children. And Father, we love you and give you all the glory. 
in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Praise.